Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Amara, and this is Black Girl Gone, a true crime podcast. On this episode of Black Girl Gone, I tell the story of Monique Rivera, a 22-year-old woman who was found dead on March 30th, 1989. Two days before, Monique met two women while out walking with her three sons. The women treated them to lunch and then took Monique shopping. The next day, they picked her up again to go to a different mall. Monique brought her six-week-old son, Andre, with her. But it was the last time that anyone saw either of them. In the Bronx, the next morning, a jogger found Monique's body. She had been beaten and strangled. However, there was no sign of the baby. It's been 34 years since Monique's murder, and neither Andre nor her killers have been found. What happened to Monique that day? And where is Andre? This is Monique's story. The tragic story of what happened to Monique Rivera is not just a story about an unsolved murder. It's also a story about an abduction and a child who was never seen again. What happened the day that they went missing and who was responsible for Monique's death and Andre's abduction is still a mystery. But even after all these years, Monique's family continues to search for answers in hopes of discovering the truth behind what happened to her and her son that fateful day. Monique's family has not given up hope that one day they will be able to bring Andre home and they have dedicated themselves to spreading awareness about the case and advocating for justice and closure. Now, when we look at the circumstances of this case, it'll be easy for some of you to judge Monique for the decisions she made. But we have to remember, it's always easy to judge someone else's decisions when we're not the ones who had to make them. No one can truly understand what it was like for Monique to be in that situation, and to make those decisions. 
we have to remember that no one can predict the future. And sometimes our best intentions can lead to unintended outcomes. In 1989, Monique Rivera was a 22-year-old mother living in Brooklyn with her three boys and her husband, Timothy. They don't have any background information about Monique or what her life was like as a child, but her sister Simone told Unsolved Mysteries during an interview that Monique was a warm, loving person, and her children were her entire world. Simone said that Monique was always happy, she loved to listen to music, and she would dance around her apartment with her kids. She was a devoted mother and always put her kids first. She showered them with love and attention, and she was always trying to create a warm and happy environment for them to grow up in. Monique and her family lived in an apartment in the Bushwick neighborhood of Brooklyn. In 1989, Bushwick was a vastly different place than it is today. It was a time of a lot of change, both for the neighborhood and the city as a whole. Bushwick was a predominantly working-class Hispanic neighborhood with a rich history and a vibrant culture. It was a place where people knew their neighbors and families had lived there for generations. However, it was also a neighborhood that was in transition as waves of gentrification and urban renewal began to reshape the landscape. Despite its challenges, Bushwick was a place of pride and resilience. The community came together in the face of adversity, whether it was the crack epidemic that ravaged the city or the arson epidemic that hit Bushwick particularly hard in the 1970s and 80s. Amidst those struggles, there were also moments of joy and celebration. I mean, the neighborhood was known for its street festivals, parades, and its vibrant art scene. It was a place where young artists and musicians could find affordable rent and a supportive community. But beneath the surface, there was also deep-seated issues that plagued the neighborhood. Poverty, crime, and drugs were all too common, and many residents struggled to make ends meet. There was a place of contradictions where beauty and pain coexisted side by side. Monique gave birth to Andre, her third child, on February 17, 1989. The other two boys, Tim Jr. and Thomas, were seven and four years old at the time. And so I'm sure as a mother of now three little boys, Monique was busy. On March 28, 1989, Monique decided to get the boys dressed and take them for a walk around the neighborhood. At the time, baby Andre was six weeks old, and so that's normally around the time when people, especially back in the day, would start to take a baby outside. Now, I'm not sure if this was his first walk, but nonetheless, they left their apartment on Madison Avenue and began their walk. They were walking down the street in their neighborhood shortly after they left when two women drove past and saw Monique. One apparently knew her. The two women then stopped their car, got out, and walked up to Monique. The women both seemed really familiar with her, and apparently Monique knew one of the women. She had gone to middle school with her. The three women stood on the sidewalk talking, catching up. After chatting for a while, the ladies asked Monique if she and the boys would like to go to lunch with them. They were going to go to McDonald's and offer to treat her and the kids. At the time, Monique was grateful to the ladies for their generosity, and she graciously accepted the invitation. She and the boys got in the backseat of the car, and they drove to a local McDonald's, and then they went inside to eat. 
As a mother who was described as protective over her sons, she must have felt really comfortable with these women. As I said, one of them was allegedly someone she had gone to middle school with, but nothing about them at this point was giving Monique any reason to be worried about accepting this kind gesture from them. And while at McDonald's, the women continued to chat. The conversation, however, began to focus on Andre. People at the McDonald's that day said that the women were doting over Andre, passing him back and forth, taking turns holding him. Babies can have that effect on people, but looking back, it may have been the first sign that something was off. After they finished eating lunch, the two women told Monique that they were planning to go shopping. They were headed to the Green Acres Mall on Long Island and asked her if she wanted to come with them. At first, Monique was hesitant and said no, but the women convinced her to go, even promising to buy her clothes once they got there. And that seemed to be enough to change her mind, and Monique agreed to go with the women to the mall. The drive to Long Island from Brooklyn is about an hour, so even with traffic, it was probably a little longer, and that meant that Monique would be spending time alone with these women as they traveled back and forth. Now, once they arrived at the mall, the first store they went to was called Canadians, according to Unsolved Mysteries. They looked around for a little while, and then Monique found an outfit that she bought with her own money. After leaving the first store, they went to another store in the mall to continue shopping. At the second store, Monique picked out a shirt and a pair of jeans, and this time, the two women bought the clothing for her. They went to a few more stores and then headed back to Brooklyn, where the women dropped Monique and the boys off at their apartment. Before they left, the women made plans with Monique for the next day. They told her that they were going to go to another mall, and so they would pick her up that afternoon. Monique gave them her number to call once they arrived, and then she went inside. When Monique came into the apartment, Tim, her husband, was already home, and she began telling him about her day and showing off all the new clothes that she had gotten. He could tell that she was really excited about her new clothes and her new friends, but Tim was immediately suspicious. He thought the fact that people who barely knew Monique would do this for her was strange, especially taking her shopping. But there was more to the story. The woman had been using stolen credit cards to make the purchases, and Monique knew. But she didn't really think it was a big deal. He asked her why she was hanging out with them, and she told him that she knew them from middle school, but it still didn't explain why these women were being so nice. When she told Tim about her plans to go shopping with the ladies again, he told her that he didn't think it was a good idea. Monique, however, had convinced herself that these women were nice people, and despite the fact that they were using stolen credit cards, she figured it was okay to hang out with them. Tim really did not want her to go, but she convinced him that she was going to be fine. The next day, March 29th, Monique got ready for her shopping trip with her new friends, this time, they were going to a mall in White Plains, New York, called the Galleria. Unlike the day before, Monique did not want to bring the boys shopping, and so 
she asked Tim's sister if she would babysit the boys for her. But when the oldest kids woke up that morning, they had stomach aches, and so she almost canceled the trip. But after giving them some medicine that she picked up from a local pharmacy, the kids had started to feel better, and so Monique decided to continue with her plans for the day. At around 2 p.m. that afternoon, the phone rang. It was the two women calling from a payphone outside to let Monique know that they were there. And so she went downstairs and got in the car, which was parked in the front of her building. But when she got in the car, the two women told her that they wanted her to bring Andre. Just Andre. Monique was taken aback by the request and explained that she had already gotten a babysitter, but the two women insisted that she bring Andre, telling her that they wanted to spend more time with him. Now, there's no way to really know what Monique was thinking at that time, but she really wanted to go on this shopping trip, and so she conceded and went back to get Andre. She told her sister-in-law that the women asked her to just bring Andre, and so she packed a little bag with his things and left with the two women. When she pulled off from her apartment that day, Monique's family thought that she was just going on a shopping trip. Tim, her husband, had suspicions, but he had no idea that when Monique and Andre left that day, that he would never see them again. On March 28, 1989, Monique Rivera met two women while she was out for a walk with her sons. The women bought her and her children lunch and then took her shopping. The next day, they made plans to go shopping again. Monique's sister-in-law agreed to babysit for her boys, but the women insisted she bring baby Andre. When Monique left that day with her son, it was the last time that anyone ever saw either of them again. It was a little after 2 p.m. on the 29th when Monique left her apartment in Brooklyn to go to the mall. The drive was a little over an hour, but her family expected that she would be back home later that evening. According to reports, when Tim came back home, Monique was not back yet. His sister told him that she had decided to take Andre with her. And at first, Tim wasn't concerned. It was still early in the evening, and Monique hadn't said exactly what time she was coming back. But as the evening came and went, and Monique had not returned home with baby Andre, Tim began to worry. As the night wore on and the hours passed, Tim's worry began to increase. He knew that Monique had not said exactly when she would be back, but it was now well past what would have been considered a reasonable time for her to return home. And he had no idea if she and Andre were okay. Tim's anxiety was compounded by the fact that he had no way to contact Monique. He also didn't know the names of the women that they had left with. At around 10 p.m., when Monique still had not come home or called him, Tim decided to call her mom and ask her if she had seen Monique or Andre, but she had not. 
Like Tim, her mom was also worried about her daughter and grandson. Concerned and at a loss for what to do, Tim decided to call the police. Despite the fact that a woman and a six-week-old baby were missing, it doesn't seem like there was any urgency to find her. There's also no reporting about a search being conducted or anything in those early hours after they were reported missing. Now, it's not far-fetched that the police just didn't have the interest to investigate this disappearance. It was also New York City in the late 80s, and so they could have just been overwhelmed by cases. But whatever the reason, Tim and the rest of Monique's family were left with no help and no resources. And unfortunately, this was a common reality for many of the families in that time, And it meant that the burden of finding Monique and her baby fell to Tim and her family alone. And despite their best efforts, Tim and the rest of her family were unable to locate Monique or the baby, leaving them feeling helpless and hopeless. Over the next few days, the family waited to find out answers, hoping that Monique and Andre would show up, but they never did. Tim decided that he would run an ad in the paper asking for information about Monique and Andre's whereabouts. When the ad was published, Tim had no idea that the morning after Monique and Andre went missing, a body had been found by a jogger in the Bronx. But there was no identification, so the body had been laying in the morgue for days. The day the ad came out, A detective from the Bronx, who was familiar with the body being found, just so happened to see the ad, which included a picture of Monique. And when he saw Monique's picture, he knew right away that the person they found days earlier was her. Later that same day, the police went to Monique's mother's house to inform her about the body being found matching Monique's description. Simone said that she remembers the scream that came from her mother. It's a day that she will never forget. Monique had been found on the morning of March 30th, the day after she was last seen by her family. The body was found down an embankment near the East Chester Bay. She was fully clothed, but her body had significant signs of trauma. She had bruises and broken nails. And she also had defensive wounds, indicating that Monique had fought for her life. But there was no sign of Andre anywhere. The medical examiner confirmed that it was Monique and an autopsy was performed. And they determined that she had been hit in the head and then strangled with a scarf. It was a brutal death. Someone had viciously attacked Monique and then left her lifeless body like garbage. But now that Monique had been found, the biggest question was, where was baby Andre? Over the next few days, a team of divers searched the waters near where Monique was found, but they were unable to find any trace of Andre in the water. Detectives spoke to Monique's family and learned about the two strangers that she had met the day before she and Andre vanished. They learned about the shopping trip, the stolen credit cards, and 
their insistence that Monique bring Andre with them. After they learned that, they began to theorize that Monique had been targeted and Andre was the reason. They believed that either of the women wanted to use Andre in their stolen credit card scheme because detectives said at the time that women with a baby are less suspicious, or they wanted to sell Andre on the black market. Either way, police determined quickly that Andre was the ultimate target and that Monique had gotten in the way. A few days after Monique's body was found, a woman called her apartment asking to speak to her. She said that her name was Joan Walker. When she was told that Monique was dead, she said that it was impossible because she had just gone shopping with her a few days ago. But no one in Monique's family knew anyone named Joan Walker. And when police tried to follow up, they too were unable to find anyone connected to Monique by that name. Could this have been one of the women that she was with? And if so, why did they call the apartment? Were they trying to cover their tracks? Unfortunately, these are questions that we don't have answers to. The possibility that Andre had been abducted and was alive was strong. If these women had killed Monique in order to take her baby, then their plan could have been to raise the baby as their own. But it was still important for the police to find Andre and rescue him before he became another victim of these kidnappers. The search for baby Andre continued for weeks, but they were never able to find any sign of him. Babies are constantly changing, and within a matter of months, he would grow out of his newborn look and become easier and easier to hide. As part of their investigation, police did speak to several witnesses, including people who saw them at the McDonald's that day. No one seemed to know who these women were, but they were able to get descriptions of them and the car that they were driving. One of the women was described as being a heavyset black woman, She was dark-skinned and about 5'7", and she appeared to be in her mid-30s. The other woman was a light-skinned Black woman or Hispanic woman who was about the same height with red or orange hair. She appeared to be in her early 20s. And the car that they were driving was a burgundy Pontiac Grand Am and had dark tinted windows and a Maryland tag. Now, once police had a description of the suspect, they put out a be-on-the-lookout alert for the suspects and Andre nationwide. They were able to get a few leads from the alert, but ultimately found nothing. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children added Andre to their database and received over 100 leads that they sent to the NYPD, but none of those leads panned out either. This highlights the difficulty of searching for a missing person, particularly when they've been abducted. With no clear trail to follow, the search can quickly become an exhaustive process, and the leads that are generated often fail to produce any results. And aside from that, the leads that are generated, there's no guarantee that they will be accurate or even relevant. 
They could also be false positives and lead investigators down a dead-end path. Around the time that Andre was abducted, there were several other abductions in the area. And police also began to look at whether there was a connection between the cases, but they were unable to find a link. In the months following Monique's murder and Andre's abduction, police tried to find information about the two women who they believed killed Monique and took Andre. But as the leads began to dry up, hope started to fade that this case would ever be solved. Monique's family, including her husband Tim and sister Simone, were determined not to give up and spent the next years trying to keep the story in the public eye. But with less and less information available, the story faded from the headlines. For years, there was no information about Andre and no progress on the murder investigation. Eventually, the case was closed. But Simone fought for years to have it reopened, and in 2017, the case was officially reopened. However, little progress was made. In 2020, the story was featured on the Netflix reboot of Unsolved Mysteries, which brought renewed attention to this case. Most people had never heard about what happened to Monique and Andre, and so the attention was something this story desperately needed. However, as of the recording of this episode, there's been no additional information about this case. And Andre, who was six weeks old at the time, would now be 34, and he's still missing. After decades of searching, Monique and Andre's family just want closure. They want to know what happened to Andre, and they want to know who killed Monique. When she was murdered, she also had two other young children who lost their mother and their baby brother in the blink of an eye. And their lives have never been the same. There's a huge possibility that Andre is still alive and has been living his whole life having no idea who he really is. He might be married with a family of his own right now, but he has a family that loves him, a father and brothers who miss him, and they deserve to know what happened to him. This is a story that is decades old, but is a story that I believe can be solved. Someone remembers two women showing up 34 years ago with a baby that didn't belong to them. You saw something, heard something, remember something. It's time to bring this family closure. Monique Rivera was last seen in the company of two women, both five foot seven, one dark-skinned and heavy-set who was in her 30s, the other light-skinned, black or Hispanic, in her early 20s with red or orange hair. They were driving a burgundy Pontiac Grand Am with Maryland license plates. Both of these women would now be in their 50s or 60s. If you have any information about these women, or Andre, who was six weeks old when he was abducted, please contact the New York Police Department. 
May Monique Rivera rest in peace. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week with a brand new story. In the meantime, make sure you follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.